Welcome to Cab World, first off the rank for news, reviews and interviews from the world of taxi, private hire and chauffeur drive. This is episode number six. My name is Lockie and joining me tonight as ever is my co-host William and we also have uh, a guest with us this evening called Stephen Porter uh, from the Taxi Centre in Glasgow. Um, Stephen, thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. Good to have you. Now, um, we are going to be discussing electric vehicles uh, specifically. Um, So we're coming up to that. That's the main feature of the show. Um, We'll cover some news items after we've um, finished our discussion on uh, electric vehicles. And then we'll finish off the show by looking at some events, uh, what events are on in the UK and abroad. So without further ado, William, how's your week been? Are you um, you raring yeah, to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, been eventful as ever. Um, usual stuff going on in the taxi trade throughout Europe and the whole world at the moment. Um, but yeah, looking forward to Stephen telling us all about these new electric cars. Um, just something that we, we, we will come to, I've no doubt, is we, did we not do something recently about these, uh, how you can charge them shortly? You'll be able to charge them as quick as filling them up at the filling stations. Some, um, uh, you know, new technology, new battery technology that uh, that that is apparently um, um, among us and uh, and becoming more popular all the time. Where uh, electric vehicles can potentially charge up for uh, about five minutes. I think it was about the same time as it would take to fill up a an ordinary um, petrol or diesel uh, tank with fuel. So that's something to uh, to look forward to. Still a long way off, I believe. Um, but yeah, let's get right into it. I think, yeah. don't we, Stephen? Thanks again for uh, for joining us. Great to have you on uh, on the podcast. And we're going to just get started off with our first question. So if you don't mind, we're just going to fire some questions at you. And um, if you'd just like to uh, answer them as uh, as best you can, um, and we'll have a wee uh, chat as we go along. So um, just to start us off, and for those that maybe don't have a great deal of experience with uh, electric cars, what is the main difference between an electric vehicle and a vehicle with a, a normal combustion engine? There really isn't as much difference as people might think. An electric car behaves almost exactly the same as a normal car with just two differences. The fuel tank is taken out and replaced with a battery and the engine is replaced with a motor. That really is about it. Everything else is just bells and whistles. Okay, okay. Well, you make it make it sound quite simple so far. Um, I think there's going to be some terminology that we'll uh, we'll discuss as we as we go through the show. Um, there's some terms like EV and ICE. ICE. Um, maybe as we go through um, and, and encounter any of those, uh, you can maybe share uh, share the information uh, with us, Stephen. Just what those what those terms mean. Um, so what's the vehicle like to drive? I mean, I've never driven an electric vehicle. I've driven a hybrid before, but never an electric vehicle. So what can anyone expect when they jump in behind the wheel for the first time? Well, the first thing is you don't even know the car's turned on. Petrol or diesel, you jump in, hear the ignition, you hear the engine start. With an electric car, the most you get from many of them is simply a little green light letting you know the car is ready to go. You press the accelerator, and immediately you're hit with a torque. The torque is just always there. 
doesn't matter what speed you're doing, if you're in a car park, if you're on the open road, you touch that accelerator, you're pushed back into the seat. People used to think that electric cars were like milk floats, slow, top speeds, 60, 70 miles an hour, couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, most of them will easily outperform even the hottest hatchbacks up to 30 or 40 miles an hour. Even though they may be limited at 99 or 100 miles an hour, as many tend to be, they get there rather quickly. The upper limit tends to be there to preserve battery capacity rather than because the car can't go any faster. They just don't want to allow you to go any faster because they deplete the battery far too quickly. Uh, the way I like to think about it is, think of the most perfect drive you've ever had on a country road, a sunny day, and every corner you take is perfect. Every gear change is matched perfectly to the RPM of the engine. It feels easy. It puts a smile on your face. And that's kind of what an electric car's like. Every single journey you take is perfect. And you will notice this after just 300 I yards. When, uh, when I was in Dundee, um, it was in Nissan Leaf a couple of years back. Now, I believe most of the taxis, if not all of them by now, are probably electric in Dundee. Um, and yeah, I was very impressed with that. I've got to be honest, I, I, I didn't. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, um, did the Nissan Leaf, did that not have one pedal you could use with one pedal to start and stop? Or You might scare people by saying one pedal, but it actually it has... It did yeah. have two. But... It, it has two pedals, but yes, uh, Nissan... Yeah, the, they employ a very clever trick where they link their mechanical and their regenerative braking together, meaning you can drive it all day long using just yeah. one pedal. It will decelerate at up to 0.2 Gs, without touching the brake pedal. The brake pedal is still there because your brain has been trained for 30 years when you see something dangerous in front to panic and stamp on the brake. That will still work. But if you're reading the road and you're driving economically, you can literally drive permanently yeah. with just a single pedal. Yeah, but I was quite impressed. I, I, quite, I was quite impressed with that. I didn't, I didn't really see much difference. The one thing that did concern me maybe was the noise for people crossing the road because nobody can hear you coming. Um, at speeds below 25 miles an hour, most electric cars now emit a small noise. It's not an annoying noise, but it's enough to get you to look. Above 25 miles an hour, the road noise from the tyres is actually louder than the noise of the engine or the exhaust pipe anyway. So you hear them approaching when they're at higher speeds. All right. Wow, that's that's really quite something. So so at these low speeds then, when you can, you can occasionally hear a let's call it a whine, a, like a quiet whining noise. Is that engineered in so that they make and any noise, any noise? Um, yes. Um, no, I'm, not sure. I, I'm not sure if it's actually now law, but if it's not yet law, it is soon to be law that we'll all have to make a noise. And on the cars that do, if you lift the bonnet, you can quite often see the speaker that makes that noise. All right. All right. Wow. That's, uh, that's quite something. So, yeah, you mentioned um, the boot, uh, the bonnet there. Um, I mean... How does this work in a taxi or private hire environment? Obviously, we're looking for some uh, some luggage space and and various other things that are various other attributes that you would expect. So, what are the advantages of running an electric car as a taxi or a private hire vehicle? Well, first of all, if we address the boot capacity, with an electric car that is designed from the ground up as an electric car, they tend to sandwich the batteries nicely between the wheels in the floor. And the motor tends to be 
well tucked away either the front or the back of the car, leaving ample space for luggage. But some manufacturers have taken a different approach. They've got existing platforms and tried to shoehorn batteries and electric motors and inverters into them. And that sometimes can eat up luggage capacity. Many of the cars where they have the batteries in the boot lose maybe even close to a third of the luggage capacity because the batteries are stored there. Um, so that's with luggage capacity. If you're talking where are the advantages to be found for a general taxi or private hire driver, then the one which is most obvious is in the running costs in the pence per mile. Electricity works out to be between a third and a quarter the price of running on petrol or diesel. So when you have a taxi driver doing 35, 40,000 miles a year, that's an enormous saving. That's quite a considerable number. I didn't realise it was quite that dramatic. So that in itself has got to be quite a big incentive for um, your average taxi or private hire driver out there. Oh, definitely. And the calculation is actually very easy for people to work out themselves. Most electric cars are rated somewhere between 3.5 and 4.5 miles for every kilowatt that you store into that battery. We know from having our electricity at home, that a kilowatt of energy costs between 14 and 15 pence. You simply divide that by your miles per kilowatt, and that tells you just how much cheaper it can be. Because most conventional cars work out between maybe 11 and 12 pence per mile on fuel, whether it be diesel mm -hmm. or petrol. Most mm -hmm. electric cars can work out between three and four pence per mile. That's quite a dramatic difference. I can uh, I can sense um, many listeners reaching for their calculators um, as they listen to this, just to uh, do that comparison. That's uh, that's quite quite a compelling <laughs> quite a compelling case Absolutely. there, William. Would you agree? So, on the subject of batteries, then this is something that I've heard drivers mentioned before. You know, concerns about the longevity of of the vehicle. So, I mean, how long? can you reasonably expect the battery to last when you know particularly if you're looking at a more conventional vehicle you you can roughly know how long maybe an engine's going to last or how long before you need to replace a, a, a clutch but the key thing in an electric vehicle is the is the battery so how long can you expect that battery to um, to last for what's its lifespan well when batteries first came on the scene with the original Nissan Leaf back in 2010, 2011, there was a lot of concern about how long they would last. And as such, Nissan started a program where they leased the battery to the driver. That has now ended. Nissan have done enough testing to know that the batteries simply don't degrade in the way that some people feared. It's now, it's no longer a problem. We've got customers with electric cars that have done 150,000 miles and are still in their original battery. Now, it may have lost some of its capacity over the last 150,000 miles. So rather than giving them full 100%, it might only now charge to 82 or 83%, but it still works. And with modern batteries, some of them are capable of giving you 260 miles worth of range. Even 75 or 80% of that in the future is still a usable range. So I don't think it's the problem that people once thought it was. No, uh, you're right. I mean, if you're uh, if you're losing somewhere in the region of 25% of 
of the range after covering 150,000 miles. That's that's not bad at all. That's much better performance than I was anticipating uh, anyway. So that's what, uh, that's would expect, what would you expect to lose from a diesel or a petrol car after that oh, mileage? Car. Do you think well, you're still be getting <laughs> 45 miles per gallon? <laughs> Tell me one thing about these batteries. No, no, it doesn't bear thinking about it. I've never actually seen one of these batteries, but I presume they are not the same battery with the uh, positive and negative, and um, you can stick the jump, the jump leads on and get it going. I take it it's not that type of battery that's in these things. Um, well, you do have a positive and yeah, negative still. All batteries do, but no, it's not like a 12-volt battery. These things are enormous. Even a small battery, such as a 24 kilowatt in the original Nissan Leaf, will weigh close to 300 kilograms. Some of the larger batteries now could be weighing close to half a ton, even larger. So they're absolutely Are all enormous. manufacturers using the same batteries, or I take it they're all using different batteries? There are different styles of batteries, but most of them use the same chemistry. Yeah, it'll be much yeah, At the moment, idea. although there are many new wonderful chemicals. Yeah, I'll the same ideas. You know, you, you know, every car's got a starter motor, but one won't fit another car. Yep. And, well, with electric cars, unfortunately, that is, at the moment, that's the case. Uh, battery from one car is very unlikely to fit another, unless the manufacturer platform shares, such as um, Volkswagen with the ID3. There are going to be many cars built on that platform. And I would expect the battery to be interchangeable. Can you? Likewise with Peugeot, uh, Vauxhall. Can you purchase the batteries from? Can you change yeah, the batteries? From, but do you have to buy them from uh, uh, main dealers, or will they be selling them out of these part shops and buy your local parts out of? Well, w once you're strong enough to lift the 300 kilogram battery off the shelf in Halifax, <laughs> then I'm sure we'll be stocking them. <laughs> it's quite a substantial unit then, uh, I guess. It's not something you're going to be picking up. No. Um, when they fit them in the factory, they have a very large hydraulic lift that brings them up underneath the vehicle when they're then they're bolted in place. Yeah, they're very heavy. So it's indeed. not a five-minute change. I also understand that the... Uh... No, no. And I understand that the uh, the batteries are... Are quite expensive at the moment. You know, we're, you know, if you if you were to buy a battery on its own, um, you know, it's it's got quite a considerable price tag. But over time, I think these are going to become slightly more affordable. Do you think that's a that's an expectation that's realistic? Oh, definitely. We know from what information leaks out from the manufacturers that around about 2010, you could be looking at a thousand dollars per kilowatt hour of storage space in your battery. That price has now fallen to $150 and is projected to dip under $100 by about 2025. Now, at $100 per kilowatt hour, if you're wanting a car that's capable of doing, say, 250 miles, you need about 60 kilowatts worth of power. That becomes a $6,000 battery. That becomes comparable to the price of a petrol or a diesel engine. Mm -hmm. So if you were to buy an electric car today, by the time that you've maybe done 200 plus thousand miles on the car, if you wanted to keep the car and you did need a new battery, the battery should be round about the same price as replacing the engine in a diesel or a petrol today. That's good to know. Yep. Okay. So EVs, electric vehicles, would you say they're suitable for everyone? 
I'd like to say yes, but right now the answer's probably no. You, if we're talking from taxi perspective rather than the public here, the taxi driver has to have the right kind of work to make an electric car suitable for him today. He needs to do high mileage, if it's the high mileage that gives him the large savings. But he also has to do that hard mileage, sorry, high mileage in a relatively small geographic area. He has to always know where his next charge is going to come from. So it's not for someone who's going to be driving from Glasgow to London a few times a week. It's for someone that's going to be doing a thousand miles a week driving around Glasgow. So that's, you need to have relatively contained geographic area to make them work right now. Over time, that will change. As charging becomes faster, where you can get that magical five-minute charging time on the motorway if you're travelling to London, once the infrastructure allows for that and the technology in the cars allows for that, then they're for everyone. You also have to account for where does the driver live? Does he have a driveway? Does he have access to his own charger? Does he live in a flat? And while the public infrastructure is maybe underused at this time, because not everyone has an electric car. In two or three years' time, when you go to your charger, you might find there's a queue. If you're a taxi driver, that's not going to work for you. You have to be able to have control of your own charger. So yeah. un until the infrastructure is literally everywhere, for people without their own charger, living in flats, it is going to be difficult to operate a purely electric car. And you mentioned chargers there. Can a... Is it possible to plug an electric vehicle into the mains in your house or your garage? Uh, let's say, uh, for example, that there's a uh, an emergency situation, you can't get to your normal charger um, and you just need maybe enough energy in the vehicle in order to get you home. Can you just plug into, uh, plug into the mains as you would any other electrical appliance? Absolutely. The car will take power in AC, most of them these days will take alternating current up to about seven kilowatts. And in DC, it will take power from anywhere from 50, maybe up to 125 for some of the newer cars. So ignoring the DC, you've not got that at home, but with AC, you certainly do. A dedicated charger will give you seven kilowatts, but even just plugging into the wall in your house will give you between 2.5 and three kilowatts worth of charge. So it will take a lot longer, but absolutely, you can charge it in your house that's good to know good to know now there was a term that i mentioned earlier ice ice what does that what does that uh, that term stand for stephen internal combustion engine and when you're talking when you're talking about comparisons between electric cars and internal combustion engine vehicles you do see the term internal combustion engine quite a lot so it's shortened to ice I see. Okay, that's good. Uh, that's good to know. So, currently, taxi private hire drivers or even private drivers have got a choice. They can they can choose uh, an electric vehicle or a hybrid vehicle or a more conventional, um, uh, as we can say just now, a more conventional vehicle with uh, an internal combustion engine. But how long do you think it will take uh, before? normal conventional combustion engine vehicles are no longer available? Well, we know that's going to be 2030. The government has set a deadline. There will be no more petrol and diesel cars sold from 2030 onwards. Now, 
that is the kind of hard line, 2030. I don't think in the taxi trade it will take nearly as long because the savings are so large for taxi drivers to jump into electric cars. I think we'll see the majority of the taxi trade move into electric cars maybe as early as 2025 or 2026. There'll only be a handful left over at the 2030 deadline. So these electric cars, Stephen, can be that's car that. these at home? Oh, yep, you certainly can. Um, you just like plugging in any appliance, you plug your car in, but the speed it will charge at is slower. For instance, if you've got a seven kilowatt charger at home and you've got, a, just for easy calculation, a 70 kilowatt battery in your car, it will take 10 hours to charge. Right, okay. But if you've got only got a wall socket, you're plugging a three-pin plug-in, you're maybe only getting three kilowatts from your wall, then with a quick calculation, it takes you 23 hours to charge it. <laughs> so there's a drawback. So as you can see, if it takes 23 hours, well, that's a drawback if the taxi driver hasn't had a dedicated seven kilowatt charger installed, but these chargers are not expensive to install. Even paying for one, with a little help from the government, you're looking about 500 Is that all it is to get? Is that a fast charger? That's what was known as a fast charger. But these days, I wouldn't say it's the fastest. I would maybe refer to it as an overnight charger. You plug it in when you get home, your car will be fully charged in the morning. So, Stephen, we've, we've heard you making several references to kilowatts, which is quite a... Uh, a technical term and, and one that we're going to have to get used to. But, you know, c could you just explain uh, for our, our, our listeners um, and, and myself um, exactly what that term means and, uh, and, and how, how we should consider it? Right. Well, with an electric car, there are three times where you're going to see kilowatts mentioned on the car itself. One is the power of the car, as in how fast does the car go? Now, with an internal combustion or ICE vehicle, we'd describe the brake horsepower. Kilowatts are pretty much the same as brake horsepower, but they work out to be about three quarters of what you'll see in brake horsepower. What I mean by that is if you've got a 100 brake horsepower car, a 75 kilowatt electric car would give you the same performance. Okay. Um, the second time you'll hear kilowatts mentioned is in the battery. But in this case, they're kilowatt hours. How many kilowatts can that battery store? With a large electric car these days, that might be somewhere between 60 and 70 kilowatts. Now, as I mentioned earlier, electric cars can travel between three and a half and four and a half miles for every kilowatt you have in your battery. Then you simply multiply the size of the battery by approximately four in order to give you the maximum range. Okay, and the third is the charging speed. Now, with the charging speed, that's how quickly you can put the power into the battery. Now, I like to think of these as a hose and a bucket. Imagine your battery is a large bucket, and it's a 60-kilowatt-sized bucket. If you have a thin 3-kilowatt hose, it will take a long time to fill it. If you have a slightly fatter 7-kilowatt hose, it will fill quicker. And if you have an absolutely enormous 100-kilowatt DC-shaped hose, it will fill very quickly indeed. Not quite five minutes, but you can be looking at most battery packs being filled in a little over half an hour if you have access to a 100 kilowatt DC charger. 
Well, that's uh, that's a good way of explaining it, and and, and I certainly um, you know I like the analogy of of um, hoses and buckets. I think that's um, that's definitely speaking my kind of language. <laughs> Yes, it does. It does indeed. No, it does. It, it paints a it paints a picture. It makes perfect sense. So, yeah, thank you for uh, for explaining that. So, it, it, I mean, it's a it's a whole uh, new subject that we're gonna get used to. Where you know it's gonna be almost forced upon us, um, given the uh, the the lifespan, limited lifespan of internal combustion engines. So, really good to have that overview of uh, of electric vehicles, battery technology. And uh, and the the life that we can expect out of uh, out of these vehicles. That's really good um, to to understand that. So we'd like to talk a little bit more about the taxi centre itself. So 2020 was uh, a challenging year uh, for for most businesses. How was it for the taxi centre? Well, it started off very well. It started with uh, a large removal van. And we moved from our offices at Glasgow Airport to our nice new showroom in Burnley. And uh, things were going well. Uh, our sales were rocketing. We had the best start to a year in, I think, maybe 12 years. March was on track to break many records. And then COVID came along. Yeah. Mm, yes. And things, um, obviously, you know, our fortunes are directly related to the taxi trade as a whole. You know, when the taxi trade is down, we are down. Um, and as we all know, the taxi trade is effectively on pause right now. So we're waiting on everything starting back up. Yeah. I, I, I... Hopefully 2020 will end as well as 20, or 2021 will end as well as 2020 began. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. I mean, it, it, it's certainly been a, a, a challenging uh, year uh, indeed. Sorry, uh, William, I think you... Yeah, I'm just to... saying for someone that owns a taxi office, I can... Absolutely agree with that. There's absolutely nobody going anywhere. You could certainly use an electric car just now because there's no long-distance runs. There's not even any airport runs going at the moment. Um, yeah, the taxi trade. The one thing I would say, though, Stephen, is when this eventually is over, it will bounce back very quickly, the taxi trade, because I think that, you know, People will be queuing up to go out for dinner. People will be queuing up to go to the pub. They'll be queuing up to go to nightclubs. So they'll all be wanting taxis back home from it. So it will certainly lift very, very quickly when this is over. And the sooner the better. I certainly hope so. So just in regards to the taxi centre, so I take it you sell all of these vehicles at the moment, combustion engines, hybrids, electrics, uh, unfortunately, yes, we do. <laughs> now, I say unfortunately because they're all good in their own way, but having so much choice does give us our own separate problems. How do we know what cars to stock? If I go back five or six years ago, every vehicle I had in stock would have been diesel. Yeah. If I go forward 10 years, every vehicle I have in stock will be electric. And it's trying, it's trying to manage the decline of diesel, the resurgence of petrol, the continuation of hybrid, the arrival of plug-in hybrid, and then finally going fully electric, it, trying to know when each of those stages is going to happen and trying to plan stock accordingly. So when a customer phones me and says, I have to have a plug-in petrol hybrid because that's what my council want these days. I have to have that vehicle available to deliver to him within seven days. And trying to 
second guess where the market is going is one of the yes. difficulties at the what moment. What is the big one that's selling at the moment? What you, what's the most popular that you're selling at the moment? Uh, most popular is actually straight petrol. Uh, we've Diesel has almost stopped. I think COVID has made people sit back and think what they want to do and petrol has come back uh, much stronger than we thought it would. Most of the cars we are selling at the moment are simple, straight petrols. Now, these petrols are maybe only capable of delivering 45 to 50 miles to the gallon, but because their purchase price can be so much cheaper and their reliability these days is better than the diesels, they seem to have been given a second wind. Certainly, the one one piece that uh, that I read over the last few days, Stephen, was about uh, Tesla. Now, I think uh, this is a, a a fact that I read, and it, it really does tell a story about um, you know the dominance of electric vehicles. Now, I realise Tesla is um, something of a kind of flagship um, model, maybe a premium um, a premium uh, a brand, but I read recently that Tesla are, as a business, now more valuable than Volkswagen, Toyota, Nissan, Hyundai, General Motors, Ford, Honda, Fiat Chrysler, and Peugeot combined, <laughs> which is really an absolutely staggering fact. And that value is there because of what people perceive Tesla being able to achieve in the future. It's not what they're doing today. It's what they are going to be doing with self-driving cars, robotic taxi services. There is a lot of money to be made in the future. We're not quite there yet. And the final push for self-driving cars, you know, we're probably only about halfway to genuinely seeing self-driving cars on the road. The last few percent to get them just right is 50% of the overall battle. That's um, that's a, a technology that uh, William and I have touched on a few times um, over the the course of some recent episodes, um, and, and you know we've we've touched on a few news items as well. And I think it's it's safe to say that you know self-driving vehicles are on the way. Um, they're they're undeniable. I mean, do you do you ever have any inquiries for those at the moment, or how long do you think it'll be before you envisage getting any inquiries for uh, for these types of vehicles? I think when self-charging charging cars do arrive, the taxi trade as we know it will come to an end. Um, that may be sad for everyone listening to this and everyone employed within the industry, but it is going to be such a revolutionary change that. Um, taxi trade as i know it i think it will cease but when do we get to that stage it's very easy for news outlets to make an article about self-driving cars and make it feel like it's tomorrow or it's next year i think it will be slightly further away than those predictions it will come one day but um, i'm not planning on it anytime soon i think we've got a few more change cycles left before we lose the industry entirely well that's good let's hope it's let's hope it's quite a long way off given given that, given that forecast um okay that's um that's fantastic well Stephen, um i think 
there's uh, one one final thing just before you go. Uh, I think our, our listeners will be uh, very grateful for the time that you've spent uh, explaining um, what you have in the detail that you have. So if anyone has any uh, further questions or or just wants to get in touch with you to um, to uh, to discuss um, purchasing vehicles in the future, how can how can people reach out to you? Oh, very straightforward. TheTaxiCentre.com. Or they can call us on 0141-847-6999. Thanks very much. much. Stephen, thanks again uh, for your time. Much appreciated. Thank you, and we'll speak again soon, Stephen. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Thanks again to Stephen Porter for sharing his uh, his time and his his wisdom uh, with us on the subject of electric vehicles. Uh, We're going to skip straight to the what's on section and start off in uh, the US. Uh, We have the International uh, Limousine and Chauffeur Transportation Expo. That's taking place on the 19th to the 25th of this month, of uh, February uh, 2021. And that's taking place in um, in Harrah's Las Vegas. Next, we have the PHTM Expo. That's the Private Hire and Taxi Monthly. Their expo has been um, rescheduled from May 21 uh, back to September, the same year, September 2021. Uh, We don't have any specific dates on that as yet, but we will keep you posted. Um, That is still intended to take place at MK Dons um, in Milton Keynes. We have uh, a Dutch uh, expo, that's Taxi Expo Houten, uh, which takes place in Holland. That is expected in October 2021. There is also uh, the Taxi Trade Fair in Cologne, Cologne uh, in Germany. That's scheduled for November 2021. And then finally, a Taxi Trade Expo, which is taking place in November this year, November 2021 in Madrid in Spain. So hopefully um, these dates will stick and uh, not be um, slipped into uh, into any other dates due to uh, COVID restrictions. But uh, as we as we talk just now, those are the dates as we have them. Um, so yeah, I think that concludes the the show for yeah. today, William. Okay. Um, so yeah, just want just want to thank uh, thank the listeners and uh, thank everyone for. Um, supporting the the podcast and uh, and for sending in any any messages, please uh, don't uh, hesitate to get in touch with us through our uh, our Facebook page. You got any any questions, anything you want to raise? It'd be great to hear from you. But for now, thanks very much for listening, and uh, we'll catch up with you in the next episode. Bye.